Well, good morning and welcome, TVC guests, and thanks. Uh, thank y'all for uh, attending in person or tuning in on Facebook Live the, the third Sunday of this divine convention. And if you've been here the past few weeks, you know the purpose of this convention is to present to y'all the real Jesus of Nazareth. No Plato Jesus here. No fake Jesus here. No Americanized, no colonized, no ghettoized, and no nationalized Jesus here. This divine convention gathers all of its facts about the real Jesus from Colossians 1, verses 15 through 23. No lies are detected in what, this, what is presented about Christ. Every word is true. Every statement is legit. First, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In Colossians 1, verse 15a, he is the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus has a unique relationship with God. He's God's only begotten son. Second, the supremacy of Jesus Christ rules over all things. It's greater than all things, even your self-crowns of superiority. Jesus reigns supreme. Why? Because he has a particular kind of relationship with creation. He's its creator. All things was created through him and for him. As an amen statement. He even existed before all things. And at this moment, right now, in our present tense, he's currently holding all things together. Things in heaven and things on earth. That is either true or it's a bunch of trash. What do you believe? Now today, on the third day of this divine convention, we're going to learn a, a, a something, another wonderful fact about the real Jesus of Nazareth. And what's the fact? Some of you may be asking yourselves. The fact is Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Look with me at verse 18a. The Apostle Paul writes, and he, that is Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Do y'all receive these words? Do y'all surrender to these words? Do you believe them? Before I continue, please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as... I pray each week, I will continue to pray, and that is for you to make Christ beautiful, that I may decrease and he may increase, that you will minister to my heart, that you will minister to the hearts of everyone that is here and everyone that is tuning in on Facebook Live. Holy Spirit, you are the one. No one comes to faith without you changing and giving them a new heart. Christians don't grow and, and have understanding of Scripture if you do not move. 
We can read books. We can go to conferences. We can do all this stuff. But if you're not moving, we're not understanding like you. So, Holy Spirit, our counselor, the deposit that guarantees our inheritance, the, the spirit that came at Pentecost, the same spirit that lives in us today, and you have not lost any of your power and your influence. You're still doing that thing. So glorify Christ and encourage us. It's in Christ's wonderful name that I pray. Amen. Uh, my wife and I used to sing um, children's songs with our kids when, when they were younger. And uh, the chorus of one of my favorite songs says, Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, and eyes and ears and mouth and nose. It's an exercise song for kids. But indirectly, it teaches them about different parts of their body. Heads, shoulders, knees, and toes. Eyes, ears, mouth, and nose. The song gives kids a, a basic lesson in general anatomy. So what's anatomy? It's a branch of science that, that studies the, the bodily structures of living organisms like animals and humans. Take for a moment to look over your body, or at least the parts that you can see. So look at your body, look at your arms, look at your feet if you can. What are your thoughts about the human body? A medical student from Romania says, the human body is a complex and intricate piece of engineering in which every structure plays a precise role. There are approximately 200 bones, 650 muscles, 79 organs, and enough blood vessels to circle the earth twice. Think about that. That's in the, every human body. Enough blood vessels to circle the earth twice. The human body is a beautiful piece of created art that, that is designed and shaped and, and fashioned by a Trinitarian God who is good and, and a God who created every human being in his image and likeness. There's one vital organ and part of the human body that's known as the body's control center. It's, a, it, it, it's part of your central nervous system. That, that organ is the brain. Your brain receives and sends signals to other organs through, through your nervous system. It, it controls your thoughts, your feelings, your memory, the movements of your arms and legs, and your general perception of the world. And where does this organ live? Inside your body, inside your head. It's housed inside a, a bony covering called the cranium. Listen to these words about the human head from Greek philosopher um, Plato. He, he, he wrote, the head, which is the most divine part and which reigns over all parts within us. Your head, particularly what lives inside of it, is vital to your functioning, to your flourishing, into the well-being of your entire body. And likewise, Jesus Christ is vital to the functioning, flourishing, and well-being of his body, the church. I ain't even have to hold up the sign. Good job. He's the brains. He's the he's central control. He's the head. And not people, not pastors, not elders, not a pope, 
not Christians, not a president, not deacons, not earthly rulers, not a bishop, not church mothers, not a state, not the music director, not a country, not a judge, not a political party, and not a theological, theological tradition, and definitely not any denomination. The, the divine convention y'all are attending presents Christ alone as the head of the church. The head. What does verse 8 say? What does verse 8 say? He is the head of the church. He is the head of the body, the church. That this statement is not a campaign slogan. Okay? It's not a mission and a vision statement. Nor is it up for debate. The statement is a fact. It is truth. It is what it is. The real Jesus of Nazareth is the HGMC. Head guy, man in charge. If you don't get anything else from that sermon, this sermon, Jesus is the HGMC, head, God, man, in charge, period. Period. He has no equals, and he has no sidekicks. It is him. Jesus controls the church. Jesus gives direction to the church. Why? Because he's the head. He's the head. The Greek term that's translated head here in verse 18a is used in other New Testament passages. And there has been a lot of theological and historical debate over the meaning of this Greek term. Some believe the term means source or origin. Others believe it means authority over. How do you think the term is being used here in verse 18a? Source origin or authority over? What do you believe? It's both. Both meanings are integrated and consolidated in this verse. You see, Jesus is the brains of the church, but he has absolute authority over it too. And he is the source of the church. Without Jesus, there is no church. You need to understand that. The church does not exist without him. These are the facts. No lies detected. The church does not create herself. I don't care how big your building is. You didn't do that. She's not self-existing. She's not self-sustaining. She's earthly dependent upon her head, Jesus. Remember what verse 17 says. It says, for by him all things were created. That means all things in the Greek. All things were created through him and for him. He's the creator of the church. He's the founder, the builder, the organizer, the cornerstone, the source. Do you accept that? Do you rest in that? And do you stay in your lane? Jesus doesn't need any help when it comes to sustaining his church. He, he, does that, he does that all by himself. He, he's, he's been doing that before you were even born. Come on. Do, 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 you, do you think Christians in America are sustaining the church? Come on. Come on. Get off your high horse and have a little bit of humility. Jesus is doing it. He's been doing it. And he'll continue to do it when you're dead and gone. Ephesians 1, 22 says, 
for God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all things. That is Christ, the HGMC. I said earlier that the human body is a beautiful piece of creative art that is designed and shaped and fashioned by a good Trinitarian God. And that is true for both the internal and external parts of the human body. Now, when you're out in public shopping, going to the grocery store or going to Chick-fil-A or going to uh, some good Caribbean food, some jerk chicken, you, you, you're going to see different types of human bodies, okay? You're going to see different types, different heights, different shapes, different sizes, different skin colors, different hair colors and textures. Now, when you look at the church, what kind of body do you see? What, what, how much did the church weigh? What, what's the church measurement? How, how tall is the church? Who makes up the church? Who makes up the body of Christ? Think about those questions. What are your answers? The church isn't a building. And we're starting to figure that out now that we haven't been able to worship like we used to church is not a building. I don't care how much you stand on it. It's not the building. The body of Christ is not bricks and stones and steeples and sound systems and stained glass windows and pews. Church is a reference to a particular group of people. The body of Christ is a biblical description of God's people. Period. And these people are not Lego and action figures. They're, they're, they aren't colorful, interlocking bricks. They're image bearers of a Trinitarian God. That's who they are. It's people who confess to Jesus their sins. People who, who confess that they have sinned against God and, and that their sin separates them from God. It's people who have repented of that sin. It's people who have accepted and and surrendered to Jesus in faith as both Savior and Lord. It's both and. He can't be your Savior if he can't be your Lord. He redeems you, and he also going to tell you what to do. It's both. These are God's people, and are you one of them? Are you one of them? Are you a pretender? Are you a pretender? A demographic survey surveys the characteristics of a population of people. Characteristics such as race and ethnicity, gender, age, education, nationality, occupation, income level, and marital status. All of these are typical examples of, of the demographics that you can find in such a survey. And if the church takes a survey, then every item in these characteristics will receive a check mark. Why is that the case? It's made up of all people groups from around the world. The church is made up of all people groups around the world. This is important for y'all to understand as Christians in America because we're prone to self-righteousness here. We think we're the center. The church, the body of Christ, 
isn't exclusively made up of just one particular group of people. It isn't just made up of Christians in America. It is not exclusively made up of one culture and one ethnic group. Jesus organizes God's people in a, into, a, into a global universal church that includes people from every nation, every tribe, every culture, every ethnic group, from every income level. Again, do you believe it? Do you accept it? And do you live that way? The real Jesus of Christ reconciles diverse people to God in one body. Not two bodies, not three bodies. Amen, Pastor? One body with him as the HGMC, with him as the brains, the authority, and the source, and everything that gives sustaining life to this one body with all its diverse members comes from the one head. The one head. Question. Do you believe Jesus has favorites? within the body of his global church. Do you think the privileged church in America has more favor than the persecuted church? Functionally, what do you believe? Functionally, do you believe Christ plays favorites as if he gives sustaining life to certain parts of the body and withhold it from other parts? What do you believe? What does your life experiences communicate to you? What, what is your tribe teaching you? What is your privilege teaching you? And what is your suffering telling you? Beloved, parts of the body in our country are fearful, angry, lamenting, and hurting right now. And it has nothing to do with critical race theory or it's all about the injustice they see and experience. And if you're not part of the body that's grieving, how are you responding to the parts that are? Empathy or judgment? Compassion or hate? Understanding or indifference? Listening or talking too much? Acceptance or do you cancel them? Humility or pride? Teachable or do you know it all? Hope or hopelessness? How are you responding? First Corinthians 12 says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. You didn't do it. He did it. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? Good question, Paul. As it is, there, there, there are many parts, yet one body that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And those parts of body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts we treat with greater modesty, with which our presentable parts do not require. God has, so, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that like it, that there may be no divisions in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Do you think that has been lived out today in the church in America, what he's saying here? Do you think it's been lived out on how we engage on social media as Christians in America? 
Paul goes on to say, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Do we believe this? Do we practice this? Do we, when, we, when we're face-to-face, do we? When we're on social media, do we? When we're engaging in politics, do we? Colossians, Galatians 6.10 says, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. If you can't love other Christians who are different than you, how are you going to love the unbeliever? You won't. Come on, people. Our lack of love for one another is the greatest hindrance to the gospel in this country. It's not Black Lives Matter. It's because we can't get along with each other. Because we can't love one another as Christians. What we do, we argue. You know why we get the opportunity to argue? Because we're spoiled and we're privileged. And it's probably going to take persecution to wake us up. Jesus has a close relationship with a particular family in his ministry. They're from, they're from a village called Bethany. The family consists of three siblings, two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. One day, Lazarus falls ill, and Mary and Martha, they, they send words to Jesus saying, Lord, he, whom's, he whom you love is ill. Lord, he whom you love is ill. When Jesus receives the message that Lazarus is ill, he stays two days longer in the place where he is. He doesn't hurry off to Bethany to be at Lazarus' side. In fact, Lazarus dies before Jesus arrives. Is Jesus' lack of urgency indifference and the lack of compassion to at Lazarus' illness and suffering? Is it a lack of love and empathy on Jesus' part? No. He cares for Lazarus. He loves Lazarus. He, Jesus says this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. He tells his disciples, our friend, listen to these words. He says, our friend, Lazarus, has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. When Jesus arrives on the scene, he sees the emotional distress of, of Mary and, and Martha. He, he sees their grief. He, he sees their tears. He sees their pain. He, he sees their suffering. He sees their lament. And you know what he doesn't say to them? Cheer up, God is sovereign. Cheer up, God is sovereign. He doesn't say, I told y'all y'all were going to suffer following me. He doesn't say, well, Lazarus must have did something wrong. That's why he died from an illness. It's his fault. He doesn't say, well, Mary and Martha, at least you still got each other. Enjoy the silver lining. He doesn't say, stop with the tears. I'm here to fix it now. When Jesus sees Mary, Mary weeping and the weeping of the other Jews, he is deeply moved in his spirit and he is greatly troubled. You see, Jesus doesn't overlook and, and belittle or bypass their emotional distress. He doesn't rush them out of their grief and tears and pain and lament. He identifies with them. He enters the distress with them. He empathizes with them. 
Jesus asked them to take him where they lay Lazarus. And when he gets to the burial site, you know what he does when he gets to the burial site? He weeps. He cries. Remember who this is. This is the God man. This is Emmanuel. This is God in the flesh. And when he gets to the burial site and sees his, his friend's body, he says he cries. He weeps. He weeps because he cares. He weeps because he loves him. And after he weeps with them, he brings resurrection. He resurrects Lazarus from the, Lazarus from the grave. You see, it's one thing to know that Jesus can resurrect you, dead parts of your life. It's another thing to know he sits with you in your pain. You see that? He sits with them before he brought the miracle. He sits with them in their grief. That's the type of head he is. Saints and guests, please understand that Jesus doesn't overlook and bypass the pain and the lament and the hurt of his body so he can get on with other ministry duties. He doesn't rush you out of your grief. He weeps with the diverse parts of, of his body when they're hurting. And then he gives resurrection and redemption and restoration to all parts. That's what he does as our head. He does it for every part of the body, no matter where they're located in the world. Jesus doesn't elevate one part of the body and forsake other parts. He doesn't have favorites. There isn't any second-class part of Christ's body. Please know that. All the diverse parts are equal first class. We are the ones who bring those divisions into the body. We do that. And shame of us for doing it. He gives sustaining life to all parts of the body in every country and around the world. So keep in mind, the church is global. The body is global. And he's sustaining all of it. Even though we have different experiences, going through different things, he's still sustaining all of it. Give him some credit, saints. Colossians 1.18 in the Message Bible says, And when it comes to the church, Jesus organized and holds it together like a head does a body. When it comes to the church, Jesus organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. Let those words penetrate your fear, your sorrow, your pride, your indifference. Let these words bring you comfort and conviction and humility. Jesus is holding together the body of the church because he has the power to do it. He's the source of the church. Our strength, our provision, our perseverance, our nourishment comes from him. He takes care of it. Are you believing it? Will you believe it on November the 4th? Or would Jesus stop being good because your party lost? Or are you going to say Jesus is good because your party won? Either one is a false hope. 
There's a song that says that his global church is not falling apart. Nothing will prevail against her, against Jesus' power. Disappointment won't, suffering won't, hate won't, the way certain um, believers treat each other won't. The only way to kill this body is to kill the head. And Jesus' haters already tried that, and it didn't work. He told his haters, destroy this body in three days. I will rise it up again. He did that thing. Because there's a song that says, death, not hold him down. The power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all. He has won our freedom. He has won it all. So forget Paul Pierce. Jesus is the truth. Forget the debate about LeBron and Jordan. Jesus is the oh, the greatest of all time. He's the one head and king of the church. He gives all his diverse members everything they need to sustain this life. And his approval rating will always be 100% today, tomorrow, and future. And because of him, we can be afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. As one hymn says, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. And with his own blood he bought her. And for her life he died. Elect from every nation, yet one over all the earth. Charter of salvation. Listen to this. One Lord, one faith, one birth, one holy name she blesses and partakes of one holy food and to one hope she presses with every grace indeed that is us. That is the global church. The church should never perish. Individual denominations may. Individual churches may, buildings may, but the church universal would never perish. Her dear Lord, to defend, to guide, and sustain, and cherish is with her to the end. Though there be those that hate her, false sons in her pale, against the foe and traitor, she will ever prevail. Prevail. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ. H. G-M-C, the head God-man in charge. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I am grateful that you are the H-G-M-C and no one else. I'm grateful that nothing will prevail against your body. Nothing will. I'm grateful that you are at at this moment still present in your creation, still present in your lives of your people. And so I pray that each of us that are here and those tuning in will have some hope, not despairing. We can't offer the hope of the gospel if we don't believe it. Hope is found in nothing else but Jesus. So help us to believe it so that we're able to give it to others. I'm grateful that you're that you came not to just give individual salvation, but you came for cosmic redemption. The renewal of all creation. So, Jesus, you're wonderful. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're faithful. And I pray for all this in your wonderful name. Amen. Will you please stand for.
benediction. And those of you that are tuning in, thank you so much for being with us. And if you're tuning in and you live in Huntsville, uh, please join us on Wednesday. And if you don't live in Huntsville and you want to drive to Huntsville to be part of it, hey, everybody, it, you can always come home to the village. We welcome everybody. Now, here's God's benediction to his beloved, beloved people. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Press on, saints.